Hello and welcome to episode number 97 of the Random Thoughts Podcast. That's R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com online. I am your host, Darren O'Neill. On today's show, we're going to be talking about the insanity going on in Chicago. Chirac, as we like to call it, for good reason. And uh, I blame my buddy Larry from that Larry show for a few days ago asking, hey, how's everything doing in Chirac? And I said, fine. And then all of a sudden, we had rioting going on to the tune of $60 million in damage in a single night. I mean, hey, we know how to riot and loot in Chicago. There's no doubt about it. And it's interesting because we got the liberal mayor of Chicago, who's been really a do-nothing mayor when it came to what's been going on with the Black Lives Matter Marxist group and with all of the violence in Chicago, wanted to turn a blind eye, didn't want the president to send in any help. Now the mayor is talking a little bit differently, saying that they're going to find these people. There's no reason to allow criminal behavior. I mean, she's finally saying the right things. And I'm not entirely sure why, but. What she's saying now makes logical sense. And living in Chicago my whole life, a little over 50 years now, I can tell you that it's been, well, it's been under Democratic mayor control since I believe it was 1931. So that'll tell you there's been a little bit of a run when it comes to one party winning all the elections in Chicago. Now, with that said, I don't believe that we can lump all of those mayors into the same category. A lot of them, I believe, had a law and order mindset. I know the first Richard Daly did, because this is the guy that was in charge during the 1969 riots, and he had some pretty simple advice, and that was, if people are out there breaking the law, doing this stuff, shoot them. And I'm not saying we want to go to that drastic measure at this point, but when you stop enforcing the laws entirely, you encourage lawlessness. We talked about that a lot on this podcast and over on the other podcast I do called Grumpy Old Ben's. Even if you're going to take this into your local area, if you're going to take this even into your home as a kid, you always pushed your parents. You wanted to get away with as much as you possibly could. And if there were no repercussions for your bad behavior, you just did more bad behavior. It's human nature. And what happened here in Chicago was an interesting thing because Mayor Lori Lightfoot had another thing absolutely right when speaking about these riots and looting that went on overnight in Chicago after an incident. And she said that these things were not random. They were not something that just came about from residents being angry. These were well-orchestrated, well-organized events. This is why we've been telling you all along when it came to Black Lives Matter that you have to separate the slogan and the idea what those three words mean because they are valid. No question about it, but you have to separate them from the Marxist organization 
that is Black Lives Matter Global, that is Marxist, that wants to see the downfall of capitalism. And this goes right into that playbook. How can you not realize that when they're hitting retail stores on Chicago's Magnificent Mile to the tune of $60 million in a single night? That is a big loss. I'm assuming a lot of these businesses aren't going to come back. And this will put Chicago even further behind. I mean, the state of Illinois is already screwed when it comes to being in debt. The city of Chicago, not much better. And if you're going to start running businesses out of town, you're going to start running into even more problems. Because if there's nobody there to pay the taxes, you're not going to raise the money that you need for the basic infrastructure. But this is what the Black Lives Matter crowd wants. And it's hard with some of these Black Lives Matter organizations to know who's really in charge and who's really not, because there's a bunch of different chapters. But somebody claiming to be among the leaders of the Chicago chapters, upon seeing these riots, again, $60 million in damages and looting in a single night, said, well, you know, that's just reparations. They all have insurance. That's just reparations. We are owed this. And Lori Lightfoot maybe is finally seeing the light that if you let this kind of stuff happen, it's not going to be a one-time thing. This wasn't, oh, well, everybody was mad about George Floyd. They're going to get it out of their system. And then we can get back to the rule of law. No, again, like being a kid, once you see you can get away with something, the more you're going to try to get away with. And that is exactly what happened here. Now, maybe Lori Lightfoot is just blowing smoke up. Everybody's behind. We will see. We will follow this and see if any of these people that took part in the looting of the Magnificent Mile here in Chicago are held accountable. I'm not holding my breath, but it's possible that even some of these leftist Democrats are starting to see if you start giving power away, they're going to take it from you, too. They're going to start showing up at your doorstep, as we've seen happening to other mayors that thought they were being woke and leftist, and then the mobs turned on them. You're going to see that these people are not your friends. They want to see the destruction of the country. They want to see the destruction of capitalism. And why did this happen in Chicago? Well, it was a police shooting that set everything in motion. It happened in Chicago's Englewood neighborhood. The police shot a guy, didn't kill him. He's still alive. They shot him. And this is what happened come midnight. I mean, it was like a timer was set. It was like a domino was pushed. And we just had to wait for the right time for loads of cars to hit downtown Chicago. U-Hauls with equipment to, you know, get past all of those, those really, really horrible security gates and things like that. They came prepared to do the looting. There's no question about it. But this event was not a George Floyd event. This was an event that was very obvious. The guy that was shot by the cops, well, he shot at the cops first. I mean, I know it's Chicago and all, but you can't be shooting at the cops first and not expect them to shoot back. I don't know. Anybody out there, if you're armed and somebody starts shooting at you, 
What are you going to do? Are you going to just go, ah, well, just shoot me. That's fine. I'm going to let you do that. No, that's not how it works. But that just shows you this wasn't a real event. This was something that was just waiting for that first cop shooting in order to set this looting into motion. And that's exactly what happened. And the interesting thing was, and I haven't seen this covered on any of the national media, which did get some coverage here locally, that Black Lives Matter and these types of Marxist groups showed up then the next day in the Englewood neighborhood in front of the police department and wanted to cause some trouble. They wanted to do some protesting and the residents of Englewood kicked their ass out. And I applaud the residents of Englewood for this because, as they said, these protesters weren't going to be there the next day and the next day and the next day if there was fallout from what was going on. This wasn't the residents of the neighborhood doing this. These were people that were bussed in, probably paid by the usual Soros groups to come in and cause an issue where these people live and they didn't like it. And I applaud them for that. And maybe they'll start standing up for themselves and working on getting the crime rate in the area down. But that was the residents. They pointed out that nobody shows up when black kids shoot black kids. There's black kids dying in Englewood all the time. Nobody shows up until it's a police involved shooting. And that doesn't make sense because, again, it shows the hypocritical nature of Black Lives Matter because they don't really think all Black Lives Matter. They really only think the black lives that came at the hands of a cop that they can use to enrage people and cause things like these riots and these looting events that have happened. I mean, it sounds really nice when you call them looting events, but $60 million in damage one night in Chicago shows you what these people are really all about. And they're not hiding it. That's the funny part. Go to the Black Lives Matter global website. You will see what they're all about. They're about the downfall of the patriarchy and the capitalistic system. So you have to ask yourself, all of these big businesses, including the idiots at the NBA who are backing Black Lives Matter Global, do you not understand? They want to put you out of business. So it's really a cool thing that you could donate your money and promote a cause that's looking to end your existence. But I guess people are stupid. And we're seeing that in mass in this country right now. And beyond the rioting and the looting, we have Joe Biden. I mean, Sleepy Joe picking Camilla Harris. And I don't really care how you say her name. And Joe doesn't either because he says it like 14 different ways when even after he's had her picked as, as his vice presidential candidate. But once that happened, they came out calling for a national outdoor mask mandate. And if you want to talk about idiotic things, this pretty much is going to take the cake for a variety of reasons. One, America is a fairly large country and having a national rule for something like this doesn't make any sense because being outdoors means a whole lot of different things depending on whether you're on a crowded street corner in New York or whether you're out in Wyoming with nobody for a mile. Now, a national mandate that says you have to wear a mask anytime you're outdoors, everybody, no matter what, 
Well, that's going to mean if you're standing outside your property on your own property, mind you, with nobody for a mile in any direction and you're not wearing a mask, you're breaking the law. So you better watch for them drones, man, because they're going to be looking for you and see what you're doing. But what doesn't make sense is that anybody who has followed this COVID-19 thing since it started will know that there's been something that has been pretty much consistent all the way through the coverage. And this is on both sides of the aisle that outdoor transmission of this virus seems extremely rare. Even the nice folks over at the Huffington Post agreed. So, you know, it's pretty much something that is accepted. So why Joe Biden now is calling for a national outdoor mask mandate for anybody that goes outside? It doesn't make any sense. Not that anything Joe does really does make sense, but it seems to me that this has something behind it way beyond the science, way beyond the virus, because the transmission of this seems like it's done via an aerosol. So when you're outside, what happens? The droplets, you have an atmosphere, you have wind, you have things that just disperse the virus along with UV light, which also seems to kill the virus. Now, indoors, completely different thing. Now, if you were calling for an indoor mask mandate, Joe, that would make sense. But you're calling for something outdoors where there is no proven transmission that has happened outdoors. The science in this, even the transmission of the stuff that went on in China, like 300 and something cases all indoors except one, and the one outdoor was between two people, so I'm guessing maybe they were fornicating or something, and then, you know, you're coming into pretty close contact, but otherwise, the science seems to say being outdoors is much, much safer. The WHO, all these things, these groups that the left loves is saying being outdoors is safe. But Joe wants you to wear a mask when you go outside. Now, why is that? I don't know. Somebody should ask Joe that if the media wasn't complicit in trying to help Joe win the White House, they'd be like, Joe, I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense. You're pretty safe once you're outdoors. Why do you want everybody to wear a mask? I don't know. But hey, Joe wants you to wear a mask, whether it's a sign of submission, whether it's just a sign that he wants to do something. Maybe they're just trying to goat Trump into saying that's stupid. Trump didn't take that bait, although I wish he kind of would have in this case. Trump just said, yeah, you know, I think masks work. I think masks are good. He didn't say that he thought people should wear them if they go outside, no matter where they are or who they're around. Again, using logic would make a little more sense. And if you're out in an area with nobody around or just a handful of people around, you don't have to wear a mask. Science says that. But Joe says you have to wear a mask. He may tell you it's there because you want to protect other people. But if there's nobody within a mile of you, I don't know who you're protecting unless they're going to try to make the case, which there seems to be no science behind that this virus could just magically float through the air miles and miles away. There is no doubt that the more time you spend indoors, especially around people that you don't know, the higher your risk is for contracting the virus. 
And I'm still surprised we're not seeing anything about improving the filtration systems in air conditioning systems, especially those in restaurants and other public places, because you can go a long way in recreating the same kind of atmosphere you have when you're outdoors while you're indoors. But it's going to take some air purifiers. It's going to take some UV lights in those purifiers, along with HEPA filters and things like that. But those are the types of things that would actually be helpful, Joe. Now, if you were coming out and saying, hey, if you're in an office, you might want to think about adding a few air purifiers, especially those with UV lights inside of them that would be able to recirculate that air and keep the virus from spreading indoors, where it's much more likely to do so. As I mentioned on the last Grumpy Old Ben's, the concept of flying for a lot of people, you're like, well, I would be caught in a tube. Don't want to do that because the virus is anybody. If they have the virus, it's going to spread through the whole plane. And that is not actually the case. The air in an airplane, I did a little research on this, is exchanged about every two minutes. So 30 times an hour, the air in the airplane and your average jumbo jet that you're flying in is exchanged 30 times in a minute. So if somebody's coughing that out and they've got COVID-19, within two minutes, that should be out of the air. That's just how the filtration works, bringing new air into these airplanes while they're in flight. That's not what happens in your local office buildings. That's certainly not what happens at your local restaurant. So adding some of this air purification to these areas would go a long way. And I highly recommend that if you have an office and you're working and there's no air purification at all, that maybe you encourage the boss to go out and get a few of these things and let them run because it will make you safer. I don't think there's any question about that. But of course, we're not seeing anybody recommend that yet, Joe. And I don't know why. I don't know why, because it would seem to make perfect sense to me and it would be completely logical. And here in the Illinois area, our local power people, the uh, ComEd, which is the power distributor for the state of Illinois, even has rebates on air purifiers. So you can get a cheap air purifier, get a rebate and make yourself a whole lot safer. Just saying. I was in my doctor's office yesterday for a six-month checkup, and things took a lot longer than normal, even than the last time I went in there, which was also during COVID, but it was nothing to do with me. It was just the fact that COVID pushes everything back, makes everything much more of a pain in the ass, and he was asking me what else I had heard about this, and I know he may just be blowing smoke up my ass, or maybe I'm one of the rare people that actually does some research on this. Obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you know I've spoken about this before and all the different ways that it's been suggested this virus is spread in different ways to maybe protect yourself from this. So he was asking me if I had heard anything. And I'm like, well, the only thing I've really seen again recently was that some countries were putting out the nicotine patch as a preventative measure. And he hadn't heard that and asked me where I read that. I'm like, I thought it was the Lancet or something like that, but it's so hard to keep track of all of the information on this virus. He said the same thing as the last time I had talked to him, which is the way to treat this is what we've talked about, which is hydrochloroquine. It's a Z-pack and it's zinc and you do it early because if you don't do it early, it doesn't work. 
And that is the problem with all of these hospitals where people come in, they send them home with Tylenol and say, well, if you get worse, come back. Well, then it's too late dealing with this stuff. There have been so many errors made, which is why it's important to have a doctor who actually gives a crap about you and your health and will do everything possible if you do get stricken with this thing to start treatment immediately rather than waiting for it to progressively get worse. We definitely live in interesting times. I talked with my doctor a little bit about the concept of a vaccine for COVID, and he was actually very optimistic that it could actually happen due to a lot of the results already coming in. Won't necessarily make you not get the virus, but it knocks it down to enough of a degree where people aren't getting deathly ill. And that is probably the most you can really hope for when it comes to a coronavirus like this. Because again, the common cold is a coronavirus and there is no vaccine for that. But now if you can take a deadly contagion like this and have some sort of vaccine that knocks it down to the point that, hey, if you get it, well, then you really only get a cold rather than something that can cause life-threatening side effects. Definitely something that could be beneficial for all of mankind. I don't believe this is all a big scam like some people do. I do believe that there's a lot of inept people trying to do the number counts on this. I believe a lot of hospitals and areas are pushing the numbers up because it brings more money in. But I don't think there's any question that this virus is real. And once we have a way to remove most of the lethality of it, then I think people start getting back to normal. Because like you have to realize you go out on the street, you could get killed by all sorts of different things. You know, you're driving your car, you can get into an accident, you could die. You're flying in an airplane, you can die. Doing anything, you can pretty much die. It just comes down to the odds and getting the fear out of people that this thing is the big bad wolf and they should be hiding under the bed or, you know, wearing a mask every time they go outside, even though science says no. Science says no. Joe says yes. Hey, there's something you can use, Donald Trump. You can use that as a slogan to start off against Joe and Kamala because maybe they're going to be the science deniers. I thought the left didn't like science deniers. Uh, Maybe they're just flip-flopping, and Joe's been known to flip-flop a time or two, which is why this whole cycle is going to be interesting over the next few months. I want to see Biden in a debate. I want to see what Trump and his cronies are going to do. There is a lot of ammunition out there from the primaries, because Kamala Harris, I think, was the most vicious bulldog out there when it came to going against Joe Biden, which makes it kind of a surprise that he picked her. You could say it was either the gutsy call or he had no control over it whatsoever. But the media is already lying to you. Make no mistake about it. George Stephanopoulos said Kamala Harris. I mean, I can't even do this with a straight face. You know, what's the more moderate choice? (laughs) I don't know how George Stephanopoulos defines moderate but you know i think he and i maybe have a difference of opinion when it comes to that so i'd like to thank everybody for hanging with us this was a day late and we appreciate you waiting the extra day i posted it up on twitter that we were running a little bit late 
and had a few people that were like, hey, can't wait to hear the episode. It's like, well, okay, that makes me feel good that people are actually listening, including our buddy Larry of that Larry show who does a show every week that everybody should be tuning into, not just because he has the voice of Mr. Velvet, but because he is one hell of a storyteller. And you should also be checking out the Billy Bones show, A Walk Through the Mind, because it's very similar to Random Thoughts, but he's a millennial and it makes for some very interesting things. That's what podcasting is really cool. You get to hear stories. You get to hear the opinions of people with vastly different backgrounds and you can be entertained. You can also be enlightened. I've been listening lately. I discovered that one of my favorite shows had spawned a podcast. And no, it's not The Office Ladies, although I've been listening to a couple of those podcasts. This one stars Donald Faison and Zach Braff of Scrubs, and it's called Fake Doctors, Real Friends. Just a couple of episodes into that, but it seemingly it's going to be an episode by episode take of the series Scrubs, which went nine seasons. So they've got a lot of work ahead of them. But I'm enjoying already hearing the stories of the early days of Scrubs. And I had no idea that those two guys were actually best friends now in real life. So Scrubs, they spawned a friendship and it spawned one hell of a series. If it's one you've never seen, I highly recommend giving Scrubs a try. I think it's on Hulu right now if you have that. And check out their podcast, Fake Doctors, Real Friends. It's done really well, except for the commercials and iHeartRadio being inserted into it. But otherwise, good show. But we appreciate everybody for listening to the Random Thoughts podcast. And we appreciate everybody that has supported the show along the way in all sorts of different ways, including financially. And for this show, we do have an executive producer, and that would be Keith Von Dyke, who is on a monthly subscription. And we greatly appreciate your support of the show, Keith. Thanks for listening. It means a lot. And anybody, if you want to reach out to me, you can do so via email. Darren, D-A-R-R-E-N at randomthoughts.com, R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com. On Twitter, Darren O'Neill, D-A-R-R-E-N-O-N-E-I-L-L and random podcast, R-A-N-D-U-M-B podcast. And if you want to be one of the cool kids and support the show, just go to randomthoughts.com. Click that little donate button or use the QR code for Bitcoin or use the P.O. box address for old fashioned snail mail checks, cash, whatever you want to send. It's all appreciated. This is the little podcast that could and we rely on you for all of our marketing. So hit a few friends in the mouth as they say on no agenda, turn them onto the show. And that's also greatly appreciated. With that said, thanks for hanging out on another episode of the Random Thoughts Podcast. We'll be back next week to do it all over again. But until then, I am Darren O'Neill. Thanks for listening.